Let it come. Oh Lord, we pray thee. Let your showers of blessings come. We are waiting, Lord. We are waiting before your presence. Revive all of us. Give us new hands that obey your word. Cause us to hearken to your word. Bring your knowledge to our hearts, Lord. And keep us from the things that distract us. So that, Lord, all of us will be acceptable before your presence. None of us will be a castaway at the end of our race in Jesus' name. Lord, help us to be focused in this race that we are running. So that, Lord, we will not run carelessly and be disqualified at the end of the day. But in all things that we all shall end at your feet. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Good morning to the church. We give God praise for another great opportunity he has given to us this morning to worship before his presence. Indeed, the presence of God is here with us. And we have come to worship before our Father. And he has started feeding our hearts. Our prayer is that all these words that God gives to us, they will not bring judgment upon us at the end of the day. That we will bind them in our hearts and allow them to fulfill the purpose of God in Jesus' name. We have a topic to consider this morning. A topic that says, in the girl of revival. In the girl of revival. And uh, when we look at this big English girl, the dictionary um, explained it or defined it as a weather condition in which a strong wind blows. A weather condition in which a strong wind blows. And it can equally be associated with laughter. It can be a sudden noise, especially laughter. And then um, looking at revival, we have looked at the word revival several here from January to now. And we know that revival means to bring back to life, to revive or to strengthen that which is dying out. So if we put them together, we can say that being in the gear of revival is allowing ourselves to get caught by the fire or the wind or the revival that God has sent. God has come to revive us. The wind of revival is blowing. And God does not want us to dodge it. God does not want us to escape it. Because if not naturally, if wind is coming, you see a strong wind coming, what will you do? You hide, you dodge. But this one is for our own good. This one is to fulfill the purpose of God. That's why God wants us to get into it. Get into the storm. Get into the wind. Get into the path of the storm. Don't try to dodge it. It will not kill you. It will not harm you. It is from God. And God cannot send anything that will harm us. Praise the Lord. And let us equally take note that any object that gets into the path of a storm, a wind, and is being carried by the wind, that object, whether a human being or leaf or whatever, 
does not determine the direction. Praise the Lord. I don't know if you are getting this. That object does not determine the direction. It's the wind that determines the direction. So let us let it be clear to us that when we get into this wind of revival that God has sent or that God will send, depending on our situation, that will not determine the direction, will not determine the destination, will not determine the roots. All will be dependent on the will of God. Praise the Lord. So as we look into this topic, um we'll look at it from two different angles. The wind of river is already blowing and we should allow ourselves to be blown along. That's for those who are ready, those who have already caught the fire. All we need to do is to release ourselves and free ourselves from whatever that is hindering us or from whatever shelter we have run into in order to avoid this uh, wind of revival and get caught in it so that we'll be carried along to fulfill the purpose of God. Then the second one is that God wants to revive us, but he's waiting for us to meet the condition he has set to bring revival. We'll look at both of them. If we get back to the place where we read this morning uh, for our lesson, in Hosea chapter, three, uh, chapter 6, if we look at verse 3, he said, let us know I'm reading from New King James Version. Let us know, let us pursue the knowledge of the Lord. His going forth is established as the morning. He will come to us like the rain, like the latter and former rain on the earth. If we read from uh, NIV, it says, As surely as the sun rises, he will appear. He will come to us like the winter rain, like the spring rain that water the earth. Say, let us know. That's number one. Let us pursue the knowledge of the Lord. Praise the Lord. Those that God will use to accomplish His purpose in this end time to bring about revival, renewed obedience to the Word of God. If you remember the Bible study we had before the last, said revival will be described as uh, when there is revival, there will be renewed obedience to the Word. Of God, if we want this to happen, then we need to know and we need to pursue the knowledge of God. It's the knowledge of God that we have that will bring about us obeying the word of God. When we have this knowledge, that is what will propel us to know what God wants to do. Because when you don't know what God wants to do, what you'll be doing will be like guesswork. Am I sure this is what God wants us to do? Am I sure it's not this that God wants us to do? And the, the eventual thing that might happen is that you look at what other people are doing and you join them to do what they are doing. But this gives us clear knowledge and understanding of what God wants to do when we pursue the knowledge of God. So one thing we need to do is that we should pursue the knowledge of God to know God better to know his will, to find out what he wants to do. This will help us to key in. That is what will give us the confidence to release ourselves and to allow ourselves to be blown along wherever God, whatever direction that God wants us to go. 
Because most of the time, the direction that God wants us to go is not what we want to do. It's not what people around us are doing. It's not what is popular. But that is what God wants. So we need to be careful to find out what God wants us to do so that it will be easy for us to obey Him. If we look at 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32. 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32. This was after the death of Saul. And uh, before David was crowned the king of Israel. Uh, there, there was divided opinion. Some were on David's side. And others were still with Saul and his family. And um, something happened here. If you read from verse 1. He started mentioning from different tribes of Israel. The number of people who... Uh, want David to become the king. And they mentioned them in numbers, in thousands, and they, uh, uh, from tribe to tribe. They say, some of the people from this tribe. Then when you get to verse uh, 32, he said, of the sons of Issachar, who had understanding of the times, to know what Israel ought to do, their chiefs were 200, and all their brethren we are at their command. Praise the Lord. And all their brethren. These people, there was something remarkable about them. The first of all, understood the time they were living in. They understood the time. And then, secondly, they knew what Israel ought to do. They understood the time. By what was happening, by the events that we are going on, by the prophecies that came earlier, they knew what Israel ought to do. They understood the time. This is time for David to be crowned the king. This is not time to play politics. This is not time to talk about he's from a different tribe. We are from this tribe. It's not time to talk about with their favors. If this will become the president or the chief, who what of us we have not become. They understood the program of God. And they knew what Israel ought to do. And all their brethren. Other people we are still doing 20 to 30. It's uh, maybe 50%, 20%, 30%. But this is for 100%. They understood. And they were all out to do the will of God. And uh, they volunteered themselves. Say, all of them were at the command of their leaders. They were ready, willing. Whatever you ask us to do, we will do it. It's not like, let us be sure of what we want us to do before we decide whether we obey or not. So we'll be looking at this under three different headings. Number one, understanding the times. We are living at a time that a lot of things are happening. And people are saying different things. People are proposing different things. People are propagating different messages. But we who are children of God, do we understand the time that we are living in? Remember our topic in the girl of revival. If we are going to be these agents, these people, these willing instruments that will surrender to the will of God and allow the wind of revival to blow us along as the will of God determines, then we need to understand the time that we are living in. What is the program of God at a time like this? 
Our uncle, Professor Marie, said two Wednesdays ago how they prayed and what God said they should uh, do. Have we prayed? Have we asked God this time, by what is happening now, what is your program for us? Or have we allowed ourselves to flow along with other people? Have we allowed ourselves to become agitators? What is raining now is a what? Agitation. These people are agitating for this. The other people are agitating for the other one. These people are causing these people. The other ones are abusing the other ones. And then we find ourselves in different camps. We belong to different camps. Is it not true? We, become, we belong to different camps. We condemn this, these people. And these other people condemn the other people. Is that the program of God? Do we understand the time and what we should be doing? What we ought to be doing? What God wants us to do? That is the most important thing. When we understand, when we carefully look at the time we are living in, and we realize that it's not time to blame people, it's not time to play policies, it's not time to lord it over people, it's not time to condemn people, because the greatest thing we do now is to condemn people. Condemn this one, condemn from presidency to the state, to the local government. I'm not saying they are doing well, but what is the program of God? God is not asking us whether they are doing well or not. What is important to God is what he wants us to do. What we ought to do. And they are we freely, when we now understand, we will be willing to surrender ourselves. Because the children of Issachar, all their brethren, we are at the command of their leaders. Whatever their leader says, that is what they will do. We will make ourselves available and be willing to be at the command of God. That whatever God says, that is what we'll be doing. Praise the Lord. Let us look at Second Samuel chapter 3. Second Samuel chapter 3. We'll look at verse 6, 6 to 11. But I'll just read verse 9. I'll just read verse 9. This was after the death of Saul. And then Abner, the commander of the army of Israel, took one of the sons of Saul, Ishbosheth, and made him king over Israel. Until one day, when this young man who was made a king accused Abner of wrongdoing. And then Abner got angry. And in verse 9 he says, May God do so to Abner, and more so, and more also, if I do not do for David, as the Lord has sworn to him. If we read from New Living Translation, say, May God be harshly with me, if I don't help David get all that the Lord has promised him. Praise the Lord. This was Abner, the commander of the army of Israel, under Saul. And after the death of Saul, because he wanted to retain his position as the army commander, he wanted to remain relevant. He wanted to still exercise authority. And he took the son of um, Saul and made him a king. But after two years, this lasted for two years, after two years, 
because there was problem. He now realized, he remembered, that God had said something earlier. He said, may God be harshly with me. If I don't help David, get all that the Lord had promised him. This man knew that God promised and said that David was going to be the king. He knew. He had the knowledge. But did he do what he ought to do? He didn't do. So number one is to know. Number two is to do what? To do. So if we know, because I know that we know. I'm not putting it to us. But I know that we know what God wants us to do. But are we willing? Have we made ourselves available? Are we going to make ourselves available to do what God wants us to do? This man knew what God wants to do. But he opposed the will of God for two years. Until there was trouble. And I know that God must have caused that trouble. God must have stirred that trouble. Because you cannot oppose the will of God. And uh, after that, he, he started working hard. The person that was working against David now turned around. Look at verse 17 of that sense, second Samuel chapter 3. Verse 17 says, Meanwhile, Abner had consulted with the leaders of Israel. And he said, For some time now, he told them, You have wanted to make David your king. Verse 18, Now is the time, for the Lord has said, I have chosen David to save my people from the Philistines and from all their other enemies. Praise the Lord. So you can see that this man knew all that the Lord had been saying. And he said, you had wanted. So look at the elders. They equally knew what God had said. And they wanted. They made efforts. But because this man opposed them. Probably Abner said, don't do it. So if you do it, I'll cause problem. He must have threatened them. And they did what? They calmed down. And they followed him sheepishly against the will of God. But when there was trouble, he now said, Now is the time. For the Lord has said, I have chosen David to save my people from the Philistines and from all their other enemies. If you remember that what caused the death of Saul was the war between the children of Israel and the Philistines. And then a lot of people were killed. Which means that if they had obeyed the word of God and done the will of God, that those people would have done, wouldn't have died. I said, I have chosen him to save my people from the Philistines and from all the other enemies. And you can testify that after David became the king, that there was no war that the children of Israel lost. They didn't lose any war because God chose them the leader, his own choice. And he wanted his people to follow, to uh, obey him. But some people decided to oppose the will of God. Why did they do that? Abraham must have decided to oppose the will of God because he wanted to retain his position as the army commander. What are the things that God has been asking us to do? This is my will. And it is clear to us but because of the position we are occupying, because of the advantage that we have, because of what we stand to lose, we still hold on to that in opposition to the will of God. Look at the elders, distinguished elders. They knew and they wanted to do it. 
but because they didn't want to lose their position. Maybe they were the elders in council. Maybe they were Igwe's cabinet. And then they were tra- they were, there was a threat to dethrone them. Like it's happening in our time now. If you go against the will of the governor, what will, you, what will happen to you? You'll be dethroned. Your certificate of recognition will be what? Will be withdrawn. And that's why a lot of people are just following cheapishly. They don't want to lose the benefits they are gaining. But the truth is that they know the will of God. It is not only in the world, even in the church, even amongst us. Let us search our hearts. Let us look into our lives. What are those things that God has made clear to us that this is my will? But because of what we stand to lose, we hold onto them against the will of God. God is saying, drop them. This is not my will. You are opposing my will. You are opposing my purpose. You are opposing the revival fire that I have sent. The wind I want you to be caught in, you are dodging it. You are avoiding it. And you are stagnating my work. Praise the Lord. If we go to Matthew chapter 16, if we read from verse 1 to 4, the Pharisees and the Sadducees came to Jesus. From verse 1. Say the Pharisees and the Sadducees came to Jesus and tested him by asking, by asking him to show them a sign from heaven. He replied, when evening comes, you say, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning today, it will be stormy, for the sky is red and overcast. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the sign of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation looks for a miraculous sign, but none will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. Jesus then left them and went away. Praise the Lord. The Sadducees, the Pharisees, these were people who should know the will of God. These were people who were the teachers in the temple. These were people who were schooled in the word of God. And they saw Jesus. They saw his miracles. They saw his works. And they knew that this man was not an ordinary man. That this man must have come from God. But because they feared that if they accept Jesus' authority, that their own position would be threatened. And like they were always complaining that all the people have deserted us and they are now following Jesus. How can they now walk alone? Nobody wants to walk alone. They want to pull the crowd. They want to be the people who will be recognized. So they came to Jesus and said, show us a sign. And Jesus asked them, I explained to them, he said, you know the weather. In the morning, you look at the weather and you can predict what will happen today. In the night, you look at what is happening and you can predict what will happen. How come that with all the happenings around, you cannot predict the time that we are living in? If we look at the Bible, if we look at uh, Matthew chapter 24, we see the signs that Jesus gave that will help us to know when the end is coming. And we can see that all those things are happening. Do we still need anybody to tell us the times we are living in? The times we are living in is clear. So if we are pretending not to know, and we are distracted by other things that are happening, 
Many of us are distracted by 2023. We want what? What do we want? Igbo presidency. Is that the will of God? Have you found out? Have you cared to find out from God whether that is will or not? If that is the will of God, have you asked him how it is going to happen? Because that something is the will of God doesn't mean that you should go and do it. Do you remember that God anointed David king through Samuel? And it took how many years? About 13 years before he was crowned the king. And David had opportunity two times to kill Saul. And that was what his servant told him. He said, this is the day that this is the day that the Lord spoke about. The day that you become the king. And David had the fear of God. He was careful. He didn't want to go by himself. He wanted God to accomplish what he had uh, said. He didn't want to help God. He said, no, I'm not going to do it. He said that anybody that touches the Lord's anointed will not be held guiltless. He said, I cannot do it. The Lord anointed him. Any day that God wants to kill him, God will make him to die in war. If he didn't die in war, he will die of old age. So he was ready to wait. You can't push him. You can't make him to do what God didn't want him to do. And he waited. And one of his predictions happened. He died in war. And it took another seven years for him to be crowned the king. That's the kind of heart that God wants us to have. That's the kind of attitude that God wants us to develop. That's the kind of patience that God wants us to exercise with him. That's the kind of dependence that God wants us to have on him. God wants us to depend on him. He doesn't want us to help ourselves. Because most times we look at what we want to achieve. We look at our career. How fast we can go. We look at the progress we want to make. We look at the things we want to achieve in life. And uh, it looks like we are not making progress. It looks as we are being slowed down. By one thing or the other. It looks as if God is slowing us down. You know, God is supposed to propel us. Eh? God is supposed to propel us. And uh, one of the prayers that I now hear is that God, God will give you his speed. Which means you move faster. You overtake everybody. And you be on top. And that is what we want to happen to us. But most times it doesn't happen that way. Most times it doesn't what? happen that way. God will take us to where he wants to take us. If I ask you now, do you know where God is taking you? Do you know? Do you know the routes? Do you know the junctions? Do you know the obstacles on the way? Do you know the gallops? You don't know. So why do you want to go faster than him? As I'm talking to you, I'm talking to myself. So that we will learn to depend on God. We learn to inquire from him. We learn to find out from him what he wants us to do at every point in time. So that we will always be in his will. That is even when we will make progress. That is when we can surpass other people. When we patiently wait on the Lord to help us. Praise the Lord. Let us look at 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings chapter 18. This was the encounter that Elijah had with Ahab and the prophets of Baal. If we look at verse 17, um, Elijah had told Ahab that 
except by his word that there will be no rain in Israel and the rest of the things that happened. But by 1 Kings chapter 18 verse 1, he says, After many months passed, in the third year of the drought, the Lord said to Elijah, Go and present yourself to Ahab. Tell him that I will soon send rain. Verse 19. Now bring the people of okay, now bring all the people of Israel to Mount Carmel with all 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who are supported by Jezebel. That's verse 19. Then verse 21. Then Elijah stood in front of them and said, How long are you going to waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is God, then follow him. But the people were completely silent. Praise the Lord. This was a disheartening situation. There was drought in the land. What caused the drought? Sin. The people of Israel departed from the Lord. And the Lord was angry. And the Lord, through Elijah, said that there will be no rain for years. And it lasted for about three and a half years. And in verse 1, uh, verse one God now sent, uh, said to Elijah, Go and appear before Ahab, because I want to bring revival. I want to bring rain. And when rain comes, you know what will happen? Things that we are dying or that had died will be brought back to life. So this was a time for revival. Because the people were living in unrighteousness. But it couldn't happen. God couldn't just bring revival. God wanted his people to appear before him. And this is very, very important. In verse 19, he said, Let the people appear before me. And what was the purpose? To take a decision. To choose where they are standing. So, because sometimes we just want God to act. God knows what he wants to do. So, let him do what? Go ahead and do it. God does not work like that. God doesn't bring revival like that. If God had wanted, if God wanted to do it that way, he would have said to Elijah, go to Ahab, tell him that I want to bring uh, rain. And it would have happened. But God said, go and call all the people. And God gave the condition. Look at the condition in um, 21. Said then Elijah stood in front of them and said, How long are you going to waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, then follow him. That's the choice we must make in order to pull the hand of God, in order to move God, in order to make God do what? Bring revival. We must take a stand. We can't be standing on the fence or sitting on the fence. We can't be Standing between two opinions. If this one said, he said, what you have said, it looks okay. Or if the other side said, he said, actually, I think what you have said made sense. And there was one king in the Bible, in Judah, the last king before the exile. Uh, that was a terrible king. He had no opinion. He had no opinion. Whatever you said, go ahead and do it. Whatever you want to do. Go ahead and do it. So, God cannot work with people with this kind of uh, opinion, with this kind of stand. You don't have any stand. If it's the word, what they say, you're doing, it's not so bad. Even though it's not, but at least they're trying small. 
If he's the short, if he's God, God is trying, but God at least, yeah, well, let's manage. Let's just be combining two of them. God cannot work that way. He said, take a stand. So today we must do what? We must take a stand. We must stand for God. During the prophecy, God said something. He said, so many, so many have not made deliberate effort to allow my fire pass through them. See, so many have not made deliberate effort to allow my fire pass through them. There are people who are in between opinions. They have given their lives to Christ. They have answered altar call. But they have not allowed God to push them from worldliness, from habits, from things that contaminate, from things that keep them from being used by God. He said, if you allow my fire to pass through you, and if you allow me to purge you, he said, you will be a vessel of honor that God, that will be available for God to always use. God wants to use us. God has a great work to do. God has a great work to do in our time. But he is looking for vessels to use. And he cannot use any vessel that has not been purged, that has not been purified. That his fire has not passed through. And when fire passes through a thing, I don't know if you know what will happen to that thing. Fire cannot, fire of God cannot pass through you and you remain the same. Many of us became born again and we have remained the same. Our friends have remained the same. The clothes that we wear have remained the same. The things that we do have remained the same. Things that we watch, as the we keep, all of them have remained the same. There is no way God can use us. God wants to purge us. There are things that God wants to remove from us so that we'll be, he will be able to use us. Say, but what happened when this question was put to them? To choose, to make a choice. Bible said that all the people were completely silent. That was terrible. And it is still terrible today. We are still doing the same thing. Take a decision. Take a stand. Make a choice. And we will remain silent. May God help us in Jesus' name. God afflicted his people. And God had compassion. Because they didn't call him. Even though some people were, were praying. People like Obadiah, who was a servant of uh, Ahab. I know that people like that would have been praying. And if you remember that after this contest, when Elijah ran away, and he wanted God to punish Israel, God said yeah, that all of them are idol worshippers and bow worshippers. God said, I have 7,000 people who have not bowed their knees to bow. So those people must have been praying. And God must have shown mercy because of them. And if you go to Hosea chapter um, 5, verse 14 and 15. Hosea chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. He said, I will tear at Israel and Judah as a lion. As a lion reached apart its prey, I will carry them off, and there will be no one left to rescue them. Verse 15. Then I will return to my place until they admit their guilt and look to me for help. For as soon as trouble comes, they will search for me. Praise the Lord. So, God has allowed all the troubles that we are passing through, that has brought a lot of complaints, a lot of agitation, a lot of things that we do, a lot of sin, a lot of wickedness upon our land. God has allowed them because of our sin, just like the children of Israel. And God said, 
I will go back and wait until they ask for my help, until they ask for my intervention. And that was what happened in First Kings. People asked for God's intervention, and God came to intervene, but the people were not decided. And in the Hosea, he said, until they ask for my help. That's why if you get to chapter 6 of Hosea, from verse 1, he said, let us return to the Lord. That is the only way out. Let us do what? Return to the Lord. He has afflicted us. He will do what? He will heal us. The Lord has allowed affliction. The Lord has allowed suffering. The Lord has allowed famine. Our chaplain reminded us that it was announced recently that we have slid back into recession. What does that mean? More hunger. More hardship. Devaluation of the, the currency that is heading to almost 500 per dollar. It means that the money you have, that money you are thinking you have, the value is going down every day. More hunger. They will not be able to meet this. And what does it... Uh, 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 what happens is the effect more wickedness, more desperation on the part of people because they want to make ends beat. About two weeks ago, I was driving. I innocently, I was driving, and suddenly somebody hit my car, and I turned. He said, "You jammed me, and you didn't uh, tell me sorry." I didn't know that the other person has gone the other side to pick my phone. So that's the wickedness now. That's the desperation. People want to make it. Because things are what? Difficult. So people are devising all manner of means to make ends meet. Why? Because things are getting harder. And God is waiting for you and I to do what? To bring revival. God is waiting for you and I to do what we are supposed to do. And when we do what we are supposed to do, God will send help. God will send help. God is not a wicked God. This lamentation where we read today in Daily Guide, he said that, the mercies of God, they are new every morning. They are new every morning. Great is His faithfulness. So God wants to visit us. God is ready. It is not like we are going to beg God to visit us. God is willing and He's ready. And He's waiting for us to respond to His call upon us so that God will intervene in our situation. So God wants to do anything. In Isaiah chapter 43, if we read verse 18 and 19, if from verse 1, God started uh, recounting all the predictions that he made and how they all came to pass. And he asked, which of your idols have ever made predictions? And it came to pass. And there was none. And God said, okay, all those things, they are no longer relevant. I want to do a new thing. God wants to do a new thing in our time in Jesus' name. We will no longer sit and go about recounting the things that happened in the past. God is talking about what he will do. What he will do from now. What he will do with you and I. What he will do in our generation. What he will do in our nation. The new thing he will begin to do. And he is asking, can you not see it? You cannot see it with the physical eyes. You need your eyes of understanding to be opened. As Paul prayed for the Christians in Ephesians. In chapter 1 from verse 15 to verse 18. He said, I pray for your eyes on understanding to be what? Enlightened. To be opened. God wants our spiritual eyes, not physical eyes. 
Because when we open our physical eyes, when we watch the televisions, when we hear the news, the things they tell us are contrary to what God is saying. And they divert our attention. But when we open our spiritual eyes, when we seek the will of God, God will show us what He's doing. And He will want us to do what? To key in, to work with Him, in order to bring about what He wants to accomplish. So, it is time for us to forget about ambition. It is time for us to forget about welfare, the things that we are going to get, our safety, security, the things that we want to secure, the things that we want to keep safe. Those things are not important. The most important thing is what God wants to do. So, as we conclude, we must separate ourselves. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, from verse 14, God is asking a question there. He said, what does light have in common with darkness? What does an, a believer have in common with unbelievers? What does light, what does um, uh, Satan have in common with what? God. And the capital answer is what? Capital no. Capital answer is what? Capital no. There is no connection. Many of us, we have, we have compromised to the extent that we now buy into what the world is saying. We now flow with the world. We now flow with the news in the world. We now flow with what is happening, with what everybody is doing, what everybody wants to do. And that's why we have brought pressure, so much pressure on ourselves. We want to become like the other person. And we have started living fake lives. We have started pretending. We have started deceiving ourselves because it's not God that we are deceiving. We have started deceiving ourselves, thinking that we are deceiving God. We are not deceiving God. God knows all things. And Bible says that the foundations of God stands sure. It said, let him who have named the name of God do what? Depart from iniquity. And in verse 17 of Second Corinthians chapter 6, he said, therefore come out from them and separate yourselves. We must come out. There must be a separation. If there is no separation, then God cannot use you. If there is no separation, God cannot use me. And what it means that we are opposing God. And when we oppose God, you know the consequences. Bible says that it is a fearful thing to fall into the hand of the living God. He said that our God is what? A consuming fire. May we not be caught in that fire. May the fire of God that will catch us be the peace purifying fire that will make us instruments of His power and grace in Jesus' name. And one thing we must do continually as we conclude is that we must pray earnestly. In Isaiah chapter 62, if you read from verse 6, God says that he has made us watchmen over Nigeria. Where we, in Isaiah, he's talking about Jerusalem. We are not in Jerusalem. God has made us watchmen over Nigeria. And he said that those who call upon his name, they should not give themselves rest. We must pray for this country. We must pray for God's intervention. We must pray to know God's way. I must pray to know what God wants me to do. And as I keep doing it, and as all of us keep doing what God wants us to do, we will see God's intervention in our nation. And God said, it's not only that we should not take rest, because he said we should not take rest, but that we should equally not give him rest. Nobody is taking rest. God is ready for business. He said, don't take rest, and don't give me rest until praise is established on this land, on this nation. 
until righteousness reigns over this nation, until righteousness reigns over this land. That's the will of God. That's what God wants to accomplish. And that's why he said, let us praise unto know the Lord for his visitation. Let us praise on. Every day of our lives, let us praise on. And as we do that, I know that surely God will visit us with the early rain and with the later rain. And we'll be caught in the storm of revival. And God's name will be glorified over our land in Jesus' name. Let us pray. I don't know what God has said to you this morning. I don't know what you have understood from the prophecy. God says, many of us have not allowed his fire deliberately to pass through them. Many of us have not been pushed. They answer born again, which is true. But they have not been prepared and God cannot use them. They have become useless to God. And they are carrying God's name. God said, you must make a deliberate effort to allow his fire to pass through you. Let us pray for ourselves. Let us ask that the Lord will let his will become our life ambition. We have many ambitions, many things we want to achieve. But God equally has a plan for our lives. That's why it says in Matthew chapter 6 verse 3, it says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and every other thing we need will be added unto us. Are you here? Are you among those that God has talked about? They have not allowed his fire to pass through them. They have been holding out. They have remained in their past habits. They have remained in their past life. Even though they answer children of God. God is asking you to think about your life. Or you have not even given your life to Christ at all. Jesus is standing and knocking at the door of your heart. Will you give him a chance? This is the time of the end. This is the time of the end. The Bible said that in the latter days, in the last times, they said that evil will increase, wickedness will increase, ungodliness will increase. Wickedness is everywhere. Will you allow God to save you from wickedness, from sinful life? Why don't you ask God to have mercy upon you? God is willing. God is willing. He's not a wicked God. His his will is not that any man should perish, but that all should come to repentance and knowledge of truth. If that is your situation, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. My Lord and my Savior, I'm a sinner. I have not walked according to your will. But this morning, I want to come back to you, confessing my sins. Lord, have mercy upon me. Forgive me my sins. Cleanse it from every unrighteousness. Cancel my name from the book of death and write my name in the book of life. And give me the power to be your child and to live for you from now henceforth. In Jesus' name. If you pray that prayer, can I see your hand? If you pray that prayer sincerely, can I see your hand? If you pray that prayer sincerely, can I see your hand? So that we pray with you and God will perfect what He has started in your life. God wants to purge you from every form of sin. God wants to purify you. God wants to make you an instrument that He can use. I would like to be able to pray for all of us. As you are standing, you are here. 
The Spirit of God tells you, you are not a child of God. You are playing church. You are playing religion. There's no witness in your heart that you belong to God. If the Holy Spirit is saying so, it is true. You have not changed from any way at all. There's no first point of repentance. This is your time of salvation. This is your acceptable time. Don't let it go by again. Demean your status. Who are you without God? What is it that you have received that you do not have from God? Even the air you breathe. Give him your life and let there be a witness in you that you have escaped the life of sin and you have encountered grace in forgiveness in Christ Jesus. This is the opportunity now. And if that is you, please raise your hand very well where you are. Don't play church and go back the same way you came. I want an encounter that changes me from whom I was before. I want an encounter that makes me from a sinner saved by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want a witness in my heart that I am a child of God. Please raise your hand where you are. That's the good news. That's the change. That's part of the fire that burns and the Lord is bringing your way. And we're taking time on it because God says you're still here. And you're yet obstructing his move. Irrespective of where you have reached in life, this is the most important. Because without it, you are lost. Please, the whole church, stretch forth your hand and say, God, you who have not left yourself without a witness, Lord, bring that change and bring that mighty change and bring that call that is permanent. And irrespective of times of previous ascensions, let the assurance of the power and the mercy of God be clear even in this life, this morning. Repeat this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, you love me. You give yourself on the cross of Calvary. You shed your blood for my sake. I embrace you wholeheartedly. I have played church. I have played religion. I have tried to live good, but not with your power. Forgive me my past. I repent of all my sins, and I turn unto you. Let the blood and the sacrifice you made on the cross avail for me and speak in my life. Cleanse me from my sins and give me the power to live for you today, the rest of the days of my life. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, we commit this son unto you. Father, we make an affirmation of faith and agree with him that if anyone is in Christ, anyone willingly, consciously comes to you, irrespective of his past, irrespective of the decisions of long ago, comes willingly, consciously, volitionally unto you, Lord. Not of the power of man, not of the power of coercion. You will make a change. You will make all things pass away, all things new. Father, let that change happen even in this life in the name of Jesus Christ. Permanent change. Change that only you can bring. And let there be a witness of the Spirit by the deposit in his life that gives him an assurance that he is your child. And that he belongs to you. And that he can live righteously and godly in this present life in the name of Jesus Christ. Let all things pass away. Let all things come new. And let your peace flood his heart. That passes all understanding. That comes 
by having the Prince of Peace. The rest of the days of his life, write his name in the book of life and lead him on, never to fall away. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you.